Good morning, Living Waters Church. My name is Stephen Riley. I'm lead pastor here at Living Waters, and it's a privilege to serve you in this capacity. And um, I was here Friday night for the uh, worship and prayer night, open the wells, and it's, it's open. The wells are open. <laughs> They're good. That drink, the drink is good. It's so refreshing to just set yourself apart for worship for, you know, it was an hour and a half or so of just worship and prayers, a few prayers mingled in as the Spirit led, and I just want to encourage you to keep that uh, open in your uh, schedule for next time. We are in a series in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a, what I call the handbook for a blessed life. Jesus has just given us, you know, content that we cannot avoid in these three chapters. But I want to remind you, uh, and maybe you heard this as often as I did, I, I felt in, as I was praying at the end of 2020 and going into 2021, that due to the pandemic and the shakings that we all experienced, that it was a time for God to get us back to the foundations of our faith, the fundamentals, those essential values and teachings and practices in our life. And, and that really started our vision in January of 2021. I ended up hearing that over and over again from pastors and leaders around the country and really felt confirmed in that. And then just again, reflecting on what's happening here in these three chapters, that's what God is doing. He is taking us back to foundations of our faith, things that if we ignore or forget or just pass over, uh, we've heard it before, oh yeah, that's a familiar passage. Let me tell you, he wants to restore the strength of your foundations. He wants to rebuild your foundations and so that as you mature and build on that, you are building on a sure foundation. So I would like for us to just open a prayer as we look at now Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, uh, starting there, and we're going to read a couple verses at a time. And I'm just going to pray for the, the reading of the Word and the meditation on the Word this morning in your life is transformative. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, your word is eternal. And we know that, Lord, it, it has power to change us, Lord God. Realign us and rebuild our foundations. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord God, Lord God, that during this time, your word and your spirit will be active in our hearts and minds. And, Lord, not just this morning, but, Lord, it'll go on into uh, the, the, the afternoon, the night, uh, the next day, the week, that our lives would be strengthened in our foundations because of this word in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Jesus has been hitting in, uh, in these, this Sermon on Mount just very simple but profound spiritual truths. And today, he really turns a, quarter, a corner in the rest of this chapter where he focuses on very natural things. Just things that are earthy, things that are material, things that are around us every day. So this is, yes, it's still spiritual, but it's connected to the material directly. And he really are, is, is commanding us and showing us how to relate to the material world. Let's start at verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. So in our life, we are storing up all the time. We have this habit, we have this ability to store things constantly. I don't know how long you've lived in your house. And how your closets and your basement, then it's like the garage is the last frontier. 
You have a wall of boxes when you first move in. And then that wall gets a double wall. And then you add more shelves. And then, and then suddenly things in your garage move to where your cars are used to be and need to be. But no, there's storage now in the parking spot in the garage. And then that garage bay gets full. So now the car is parked in the driveway. We have a tendency uh, to constantly store up. And Jesus is saying, you're storing up. You have a choice of where to store. You're going to be storing up here on earth. And you can also, or you can store up in heaven. And so normally you think, oh, if you're storing up on, on earth, it's kind of just being out of control or whatever. But God says he wants us to store up into heaven. He wants us to think, how can I store up treasures and rewards in heaven? Things that are going to last for eternity. Things that when I obey Christ on earth, be it a small little obedience to to get out of bed and go ahead and read and and go ahead and hold off on those emails to stay focused in prayer to, uh, oh, help that neighbor real quick because they were carrying something that was too heavy and you just do these little acts of kindness and obedience. It's storing up something eternal in heaven and he's encouraging us to do that do we have storage closets in our in our homes in heaven do we have uh, uh, a basement do we have a garage that gets full and overflows our where our car normally would be i don't know how it exactly looks but there's we can store up in heaven next verse says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also So here we find that Jesus is saying, you're created in such a way that this treasure, these material things, this focus and priority you have is connected to your heart. And you can track where your heart is by tracking where these treasures are. I believe it's, it's more or less most of the time true that a total stranger who's never sat down and had a conversation with you or, or you know, really lived around you and watched your life could actually just take a few items in your uh, possession and figure out where your treasure is i know not everybody uses checkbooks checkbooks still uh many of you are just using apps the checkbook is it's just for rare occasions but wherever your budget is, wherever that's notated in an app or on a, on a spreadsheet or, or, or spelled out through the checkbook, that if someone just looked through it, they could see the direction of, of where your treasure is and then there where your heart, be, your heart would be also. Or let's say your calendar, your, your calendar and your phone, or if you have one in the kitchen, you put everything there and someone just looked at that and studied it for a few minutes, they could find where your treasure is or where you place your gifts and talents and use those things that, that you enjoy doing, things that you uh, are effective in and, and like to be a part of. Where are those things happening? And you can find out where your heart is. See, there is a battle for our heart. And Jesus wants to win that battle. And he has gone ahead of us to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice and then defeated death by his resurrection to say, I want to win the battle over your heart. And I want your heart. I want your treasure to be in heaven. I want your heart. I want it to belong to me and be focused on me. Well, does that mean, Pastor Stephen, that we all have to be missionaries in Africa? Because, you know, all their money and all their things, it all just reflects mission work. And, you know, do we all have to be Africa missionary, African missionaries? I don't think so. I won't say no. He could do that, right? But it's a that we take him and his heart in in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in, the, in, in coaching that little league team. And wherever we are, we have him with us. Let's look at the next couple verses. Verses 22 and 23 are interesting verses because they, they start looking at something that, that um, advertisers and marketeers know today in the economy. It says, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eye is bad, your whole body would be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So where we let our eyes focus, where we let our eyes uh, uh, give its attention to, does affect our heart and our treasure. Advertisers know that. They know how to what to flash on the screen to get your attention to what to focus in and the and the photography and the colors and the movement to get your attention and have you focus on what they are trying to sell you. But we have a choice. We can guide our eyes there to where it's going to glorify God. Next verse, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Another term there, uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's a word that uh, Jesus used and is repeated in Luke, uh, the gospel of Luke as well. But what it is, it's a, it's, it's amazing how Jesus is setting this up. He is saying, listen, there are two masters. You get to choose who you're going to serve. You're going to serve one or two masters. And this master is like, in this context, in that day, a master would have had slaves. So it was a servant for long term, perhaps life. And so this spirit of wealth, the spirit of mammon is so powerful that it can become a master in our life. It can become that kind of powerful force in our life. Uh, it is known that, um, uh, that, that this uh, power of mammon comes from a Syrian god of wealth. That in the Syrian ancient days, they had a... Uh, a God named this. And it would contrast itself with the God of heaven, the God of the Jews. And it would say, we don't need God because we have money, we have wealth. It would say, listen, we can uh, provide all that you need, all that you want, all the happiness, joy, and peace, even identity uh, you can have in wealth. And that's how it speaks. That's how it, it lures. It has that kind of uh, temptation to it. Jesus is saying you can't have two masters. And it, it will even, it will affect you so much that you'll love the one and hate the other. Robert Morris, who is, I believe, one of the most effective teachers on the blessed life in the area of giving and generosity and and really even you know prosperity and material things doesn't equate how he teaches and his message with the prosperity gospel i was listening to him teaching this subject and he said there is a prosperity message that is has a way of working selfishness into your life not out of it And, and that's, that's not designed as the God who loves to bless and, and to prosper his people. It's not to develop selfishness, but, but generosity. And say, so what can happen is, is that if you don't get what you want or what you're, what you're claiming and, and uh, what you're desiring, then that anger toward God of being let down, of, of, why didn't this happen? And there can be this, this despising God. I want this and I want that level of this and I'm believing. And it didn't happen. And there can be a reversal. of, And it's just, it's just heartbreaking to see. As we get on into this passage later, we're going to see that this spirit of mammon, of this spirit of wealth is, is such in competition with God that it wants to rob your peace. It wants to, 
come on you and give you an emotional distress in life. So really the purpose of this passage in the teaching today is to break the back of mammon over us and receive from God wisdom on resisting this temptation. So let's look at another word that's similar to uh, mammon. It's called materialism, and a definition of that out of the Oxford Dictionary is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. So it's this this pull, it's this, this tug drawing away and Jesus said resist the devil and he must flee and I want to tell you we need to be attuned like that and say constant resistance of this pull of this drawing away and so I just want to say this and how we resist uh, this what this drawing of materialism do does it drifts your heart away from God So I want you to see that here on the screen that it is a, it can be so subtle we don't recognize it. It can happen over years uh, where we start off on fire for God and we, we're wanting to, you know, give our lives to Him and dedicate this time to Him and mission trips and we have these big goals for the Lord but just over time because the busyness of life And now you've got not just one car, two cars, and now your house is bigger and you've got more kids and stuff the kids have and all that. You're just so busy that these, this passion for the Lord ends up just drifting away and, and you're just doing little here and a little there. And you look back and you go, what happened? It was a drift. It was a tug. It was a pull on our hearts to have our treasures be focused in some other area than God himself. Now, I want to uh, kind of give an example of an interesting example, and I, I want to say up front that I believe that financial planning is a biblical instruction. You see it particularly in the book of Proverbs, and, and in that ability to save when you're the younger, the better for retirement and investing and having a vision to, to not just save your money, but expand your money. Those things are godly and biblical. I want to say that it's just invest your money for retirement in, the, in your 20s and 30s. Don't wait till you're 55. How fast did I become 55? And now I'm, I, I've got some sights on retirement someday. And I'm going, man, why didn't I start in my 20s? So I encourage you to do that. Start earlier. Then later, in investing in retirement. But Carol Stucker was a member of this church for many years. A single lady lived out in the country, out in the woods, out here. And she got lung cancer, and she fought it bravely, and um, was battling this for a number of years. And she called me to her home, one day, and she was very ill, she was in bed, and she said, Stephen, I, I want to give this property to the church and for you guys to use it forever, to, for whatever the Lord leads. And it wasn't much later, she did pass away. We had our staff and elders and board members praying uh, about the property, on the property. We took, took some time and believed that it was released to, to sell it. And, of course, we went the appropriate steps there and to sell it. What was it like in heaven when the property was sold and it was then given to the church? What did it look like when these treasures popped up in her, in her room up there? What did it look like that, oh, hallelujah, listen to these eternal world's rewards that I received after I passed away, I was up here. I thought I was done. It was good. But no, uh, when she was up there, her legacy, she left to, in, to bless the kingdom of God. Uh, I, I just wonder, what did that look like in her realm and in her world? But it was a good return on her investment. 
Whatever dollars we got out of that property, it was eternal and lasting more jewels than what it, it weighed here on earth. A good rate of exchange in heaven. Much of that uh, offering to the Lord that she gave went to really restore parts of this building. We had two roof repairs that were very expensive to build. We had water leaks through the front windows. We had to replace all those things, and her gift really restored this building, and we thank God for her. See, Proverbs 11, uh, verse 24 and 25 says, There's one who scatters and yet increases all the more, and there's one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous, generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. She understood it's better to have that generous heart and to give it away, and God has a way of blessing her back. She didn't have any living children And this is how she expressed her generosity to God. So I want to just say, ask you a question. How do we, and we're going to hit this in several ways, how do we resist this this draw from the enemy? Number one is we invest our time, talents, and treasure toward God. Yes, this material world of of finances is one of those areas that God specifically says, invest into my kingdom. But this includes our talents and our time, our calendars and our gifts. And that when we decide to do something and, and volunteer either in the church or in the community, we're praying over it, Lord, is this your will? Is this where you've placed me? I want to do this unto you. I want to do this in a way that is affecting your kingdom and storing up treasures in heaven. I would say I was, uh, oh, it, around 30 years old. And, um, I had, oh, may, maybe late, excuse me, late 20s, uh, working here as the youth pastor and church education director. And one Sunday morning I came, I was here and And someone said, Stephen, you have somebody that wants to see you. And I turned around, went down the hallway, and there were these three high school friends. Actually, two of the three were friends from grade school, from Lynchburg, Virginia, that just showed up before church. It was, uh, you know, just a total shock. They didn't call me in advance. We didn't have texting back then. And uh, they just showed up before church. And so they weren't staying for church. I think they're a little nervous about a charismatic service that went over 60 minutes. And so they just were in Louisville and passing through and wanted to say a quick hello. So we sat down in my office and we were just chit-chatting, catching up. And I had just come back from a youth retreat that weekend. And in my memory, I can't remember if it, it ended in the morning, and I think that's what it was. We actually ended it before church, and so I probably got, you know, five hours sleep over the last couple nights and, and uh, was pretty tired just sitting there talking to them. And, and the, uh, the, the old friend of mine, uh, she said, Stephen, you're tired. I said, well, you know, I know, I've, I've just been on this youth retreat and just got done this morning and, you know, all this and this is what we're doing. And, and, and she goes, do you know what? It's a good tired. Because she, she said it was for other people. And I, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time or when have you, you know, gotten work so hard or given your best and you just got tired for God? Now, I'm not promoting uh, six, seven days a week. You're just totally worn out. You're going to get burned down in a few months. That's not what I'm promoting. But folks, when we say we're going to invest our time, talents, and treasure, what does that look like? I want to now jump into um, uh, Matthew chapter 6, going now into verse 25.
And I'm going to uh, read several verses up to verse 30. Stop and read a few more till we get to the end of the chapter. Verse 25 of Matthew 6 says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, it's thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now Jesus is talking about three basic necessities of life. Food, drink, and clothing. How essential those things are. But for Jesus, he's saying, this is really simple, folks. This is really logical. You of little faith, let, just listen and let me build your faith up here. He says, look at, look at the, the birds of the air. Don't I take care of them? And they're fed just fine. They, they're not, they're not the gardeners and farmers and have to plant. I take care of the birds. Look at the lilies, and in the spring, that's, I think, what he wants in spring for us to see these flowers and say, look how beautiful it is. Look what God created there. And he clothed them with beauty, even better than Solomon, the richest man in the world in his time. He says, listen, it's just logical. I'm giving you these eyewitnesses to accounts to say, hey, I'm going to take care of you. Let this build your faith. Then he goes, you know, so what is worrying going to do for you anyway? It, it's, it's wasteful to worry. You're wasting your time and your energy. You cannot add one hour to your life. So what would you want to do anyway? It, it, it doesn't help you to worry. Have faith. Then he's going to go in uh, more into worrying. And in the end of this passage, he would have said, do not worry three times. Let's go verse 31. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat and what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So these are real needs. He knows that you need them. He's not, uh, his plan is not all ruined. He's got a plan. He's going to bless you. And he says, you know, even the Gentiles, the unbelievers, those who don't have a God, they do all this worrying. Don't be like them. They do all this extra, uh, you know, efforts just, just to make it. Listen, don't be like them. It's like be the salt and the light. Be separate. Don't be like them and just love those who love you and just pray for those who pray for you. No, you love Uh, your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This is how your salt and light be different. So Jesus is saying in 2021, be different. Shine your light, be salt by not worrying. Next verse. It's, he makes it so simple, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So he says all these things that, that food, that that drink, that clothing, these needs that you have and other needs, they're all going to be added to you. But seek me first. Verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And didn't he teach us to pray in that, in that disciple's prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. There is, there are issues coming up. Life is not always easy. There are things that are come up. So let, let deal with that later today. Just trust God today. So this draw of materialism, it's drifts, it tempts us to drift our heart away from God and increases, and it also increases worry and anxiety. 
So today, we're going to look at a list of powerful things that will break the back of mammon, that can break a, a, a bondage of worry and fear over your life. And one of those ways is to, is to actually do the biblical teaching of tithing. And Leviticus 27 verse 30 says this. Thus all the tithe of the land and of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So the way God set this financial system up, he owns everything, right? A thousand uh, a cattle on a thousand hills or a thousand cattle on hills. Which, which way is that? He owns it all. He blesses us. All these things are blessings. The food, drink, clothing, and, and, and provision, and work, and, and uh, homes, and cars. They're all blessings. It can be tied to a worldly spirit. It can be connected, and it can draw our hearts away. And so God is warning us about that. But he said, in all these blessings I've, I'm giving to you and provisions and material things, 10% of it still belongs to me. It is mine. Uh, it's, it's the Lord's. And it's holy. It's set apart for me. It's, it's set apart different than the 90%. So... He wants us to be good stewards of 90% and, and not 100% because 10%. He just wants us to give it back to him because it belongs to him. Now, as you work this out and you're praying about this and, wow, you know, this is a challenge. This is tough for me. How do I do that? How do I make this happen? I mean, start where your faith is. If you have faith for 3% to to set aside until the Lord in the beginning of that pay period, 3%, then start there. Don't do anything. Start somewhere and watch God build your faith and increase to 10%. But it's holy. It's separate. It's something that, that we give to God quickly. Over a year ago, I, uh, before the pandemic, was scheduling uh, some time in the uh, preaching calendar for... Um, teachings on tithing and giving. And in conversation with uh, David Eaton, uh, he said, you know, I have a testimony I'd, I could share about how God brought tithing in, into our lives in, in the Eaton family home. And so I remembered that uh, in preparation for today, and I've asked him to, to share a few minutes his testimony on tithing. So David, if you'd come on up. Don, if you could let him go and let him come up here for a few minutes. The other thing about David uh, that you may not be aware, but I got to um, uh, open up a banquet where he was honored at this banquet. And uh, it was on Monday evening, and the Boy Scouts of America was having a, their annual fundraiser, but they recognized a citizen, and they named them Citizen of the Year. And they give, uh, you know, just honor and celebration to this person. And it was David Eaton. And I was asked because I'm his pastor, yeah. And as his pastor, I was asked to be there at Claudia, Claudia uh, Sanders' dinner house who refused the fried chicken. No? Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And, uh, and open up in prayer uh, over that banquet. But the list of accomplishments David has uh, led in the city of Shelbyville now is the second time as mayor but also manager in Simpsonville is this long list of accomplishments. And, uh, and the Boy Scouts wanted to honor that and recognize that. And I want to say that David has taken his talents and his time and he's put it into public service for our community. You know, back in the day when well, uh, early in our country, it was, it was one of the special callings in life to be either in ministry or public service and Maybe a doctor was the other one. There were several things that were all just highly honored in our early culture of our nation. And David has done that before the Lord, and he's produced much fruit and been salt and light. Thank you so much, David. Let's give him another hand if we could. Well, I want to start out with that uh, Don and I 
always gave to the church. And, but we were not tithers. And uh, we always gave what we thought that we could. And uh, it was always after all of our other obligations were taken care of. And you should have been in, in a witness in my house uh, on Saturday nights before church and Sunday mornings. I'd, I'd basically say, well, Donna, what, what should we give to church this week? And she'd say, well, David, what do you think? I said, well, Donna, what do you think? <laughs> and uh, and we, we just go back and forth like this until one of us would finally give an answer. And it happens almost every time. Donna would give a number, and I said, ah, it's too much, Donna. Or I'd give a number, and Donna would say, well, that's not enough, David. I mean, it was really joyful giving. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's how we operated for, for a long, long time. But the net result of that was is we never got over the hump. And every time with, we thought we were about to get where we wanted to be, something would happen to set us back. And it, it was normal things in life. You know, the, uh, we needed a new wash machine. The wash machine would go out or the air conditioner wouldn't be working anymore. Just normal things that happen in life, but they always seem to happen at the worst time possible. And so we just n- never got over the hump. Well, a lot during this time, I was the mayor of the city of Shelbyville. I'd, I'd served two terms back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And in 2002, I decided to give up being mayor to run for a higher office. And that didn't work out. It didn't work out. And, of course, you didn't find out that it didn't work out until the November elections. And then starting January 1, which is only six weeks later, I was out of a job. But then something else happened during that time is uh, Donna's job was eliminated from her company as well. So we went uh, almost overnight from both of us having jobs to within basically a a, a six- to eight-week period, both of us were unemployed. And uh, so we had to change our lifestyle, obviously. And uh, Donna started taking a seasonal job doing tax services for people. Uh, She did substitute teaching at Christian Academy. I started substitute teaching again. And I did not enjoy that at all. I, I love teaching, but substitute teaching is a whole different ball game than having your own classroom. And we had to change our lifestyle in order just to get by. We, we had to give up some things that uh, we thought were necessary. We found out later on they weren't as necessary as we thought. And we did this for two years. And for two years, we struggled. I mean, we struggled. And then, I don't know if it was through a sermon through, through Brother Joel uh, one Sunday or, or how it came about, but something just hit both Don and I at the same time. And we started talking about it was time to start tithing. It was time to start tithing. And we made a decision that that was what we were going to do, and we were going to stick with it no matter what happened. Now, I wish that I could say that uh, things immediately changed, uh, but that wouldn't be the truth, because they didn't. But we continued to tithe, and we believed that God would provide, but it would be on his terms. Uh, Publisher's Clearinghouse didn't name us the winner. We didn't get a big check in the mail. It didn't happen. Um, and, And you've heard these stories You've heard these stories where people talk about getting these big checks in the mail, and I have no doubt that that happened, and that's great. But that's not how God operates a lot of times. Uh, if, if you look at Malachi 3.10, a lot of people look at this sometimes, and it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's what he says in his word. But too many people expect the big check. They don't read verse 11. We stop at verse 10, we don't read verse 11. Because verse 11 tells, God tells us how he'll do it. He says it will prevent I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop the fruit before it's ripe. 
And that's what he says in his word. Now, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say all this is just going to happen. You still had to plant your crops. You still had to work those crops. You still had to harvest those crops. Ladies and gentlemen, God honors work. He honors work. And that's what he did for us. He provided us opportunities to work. In 2005, the city administrator job came open in Simpsonville, Kentucky. And the responsibilities for that job were almost exactly the same as when I was previously the mayor of the city of Shelbyville. In 2005, there was a job opening that came at JCTC for a GED teacher. And Donna was always wanting to do that. She applied for the job and she got the job. And then she decided to run for city council. And she got elected in 2006. So almost over, you know, just within a few months, just within a few months, all of a sudden we both had full-time jobs again. We were both working again. And ladies and gentlemen, in less than three years, we went from deep debt, owing a lot of people, to no jobs, excuse me, and no jobs, to the best financial security in our life. Mm-hmm. It went from one extreme to the other over that three-year period. Mm-hmm. And 16 years later, and that's a key thing here, it, it, it doesn't always happen overnight. 16 years later, we're totally debt-free. I owe nothing to mm. nobody. Mm. Woo! Mm. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm not buying anything else. <laughs> But what's more important is the blessings that we've received from it. And it's not always financial blessings. You know, doing what you enjoy is a blessing. I can't tell you how much I enjoy the job I have as the mayor of Shelbyville right now. And I enjoy it because God's given me gifts to do this, and I get to do what I enjoy. There's, there's nothing better than if you're working at a job and you enjoy what you're doing. How fantastic is that? But it also has given me a platform. And I take that seriously because it's allowed me at the appropriate times to be able to express and to demonstrate my faith publicly. Because Don and I both desire, it's our great, one of our greatest desires that others will see Christ in us in all things that we do. There is no amount of money that we could give that could even begin to compare to what God's done for us. And he's still to this day, he's always, he's still teaching us, he's grooming us, he's preparing us, and he's guiding us. And our desire has been and always will be to be faithful to him, because one thing I do know, he's always faithful to us. Because what we're looking forward to is that day when we stand before the Lord, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Just say a prayer, Dave, before you leave. I, I've got a couple more points I want to hit before we leave. But, Dave, just, just from your heart, pray for us, uh, our church families here, and, and those who may be watching as well. Father, we are so thankful that you are always faithful to us, not only in big things but in the small things. And, Father, it's, it's just our prayer that, uh, that you'll open our eyes not only to the, the financial and the material things that uh, – that may come our way, Lord, but to the opportunities that you give us and the blessings that we get from being able to witness to other people through our daily lives. Mm-hmm. Lord, we are so honored that you've given us this privilege. And Lord, we just ask that every gift that you've given us, every talent that we have, mm-hmm. that we will use it for your glory and for your honor. For these things we pray you for in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Wow. I hadn't heard that whole story. That was amazing. That was amazing. A couple of more instructional points for you in breaking the back of mammon. So remember, the drawing of this materialism, number one, drifts our heart away from God, increase the worry and anxiety in our life. So what 
how do we break this? How to resist it? Number one, invest our time and talents, treasure God. And number two, practice the biblical uh, teaching of tithing. As Dave illustrated in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first of all your produce so your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It's that first, it's that priority that you give before you pay all your bills and you're saying, God, we're trusting you in this. I want to share a story of, uh, of our journey when we moved to Philadelphia in 2000 uh, for uh, church planning and, and ministering to inner city. And I was raising some funds at that time to help support our family and also looking for work. And I got a job, 100% commission sales. They, it was pretty easy application, right? Because they're not paying anything out on you. And I got it and didn't make any money for a couple months. I'm like, okay, I can't be doing this. Working full-time and not getting anything. I started doing part-time work, part-time work construction, part-time driving a bus. I had my CDL license back when I got it for the old yellow bus here. So I was driving a bus uh, for a retirement health community, and they would drive, we'd drive in the city in third shift to pick up people who work at the, in the health care system and out to the suburbs, and I was doing that. I got another uh, 100% commission sales job, but I started slow. I was going to keep my other part-time jobs going. And it was in the reverse mortgage industry field. Well, after about a year of that, I had scored or, or I had made a quarter of sales where in the northeast region of the country, I had more sales than anyone in my, in my region. Now, these were small sales. I was dealing with small homes and clients. It wasn't, so I wasn't making the most money. I wasn't close to the, to the top of the list there. But the increase between, you know, having nothing to now uh, having this growing sales business just got us excited. And we went to one of those opportunities that you can't afford. Vacation home club, vacation club. And you go sit and you get a presentation and they're walking you through uh, all that's available for just this amount of money up front. And you get 12 vacations at this discounted rate. And we were homeschooling the kids, thought this, we could do this because it was really good in the spring and fall when it wasn't peak season or wasn't a holiday. And this would just bless our family. This is be, but you have to sign today and pay that up front fee today. This is just a, this is an opportunity to bless our family. Let's do it. Then a few weeks later, there was another opportunity uh, to invest in, in, in a real estate development. And, and, uh, and this time, it was just amazing how we could just, you know, increase our wealth. And, and then we could, um, uh, uh, you know, and, and I already was doing some things in that realm. And, and hey, this is fantastic. You could wait and sign tomorrow, but you have to sign tomorrow. We signed those papers as well. And what happened was, is that we didn't go to get wise counsel. Normally our practice is to talk to one of our set of parents or someone who knows that area or field and get some input before we make a step financially. We didn't do that. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. This is something you want built in your processes of making decisions. You want to know who to call to get input and get wise counsel. In that particular few months of our life, we didn't do that. So how do you resist this draw of this mammon? Well, number three is to commit to listening to wise counsel. Don't make your decision on your own. Find resources and help and input for those who and not that you have to obey what they said, but you're committing to listen to them and praying over what they say. And oftentimes there's some kind of nugget of wisdom that you hadn't thought about before and it plays a role. So what, what happened to us is, is uh, that was early 2008. My sales business is going up like this. And in July of 2008... 
the parent company of the company I worked for was Indymac Bank, the first bank that went insolvent and the FDIC had to take over. So I ended up changing companies and that company lasted a while, but then they, uh, uh, that stock market uh, recession happened and their stock prices started and my whole department went through uh, uh, you know, a cleaning out. And I found myself in 2009 unemployed looking and, and receiving unemployment checks. So we couldn't follow up on that vacation club. The Lisa went back to schooling and there wasn't uh, flexibility with the vacation time and, and, and then those opportunities to invest more money in the real estate opportunity weren't going to come, come around anytime soon. So that money was lost. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. We didn't have the planning in place. We didn't have that, you know, look, let's say the Lord, Lord does continue to increase us. What should we do first? What savings should we do first? Where do, and how do we apply? But we didn't have a plan. So these, these uh, uh, appeals to, oh, do this and it's going to really bless your family. Do this, you're going to really increase. It didn't, we didn't have a plan. It didn't fit anywhere, but it looked good. And so hastiness got a hold of us. Proverbs 32, 32 says, don't count your chickens before they hatch. We didn't have a plan and we had increase, but just a little, it was just for a number of months, a few months increase, but we were excited. So how do we resist this draw? Number one is to invest our time and talents and treasure toward God, be faithful in biblical teaching and tithing and commit to listening to a wise counsel. And then number four, Plan and prayer, plan prayerfully and carefully, and don't be hasty. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. See, remember Matthew 6, Jesus said just as clear as and direct as he could, 6 verse 32, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. All these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's the heart of God. He knows you need all these things. He's not trying to punish you for uh, and, and, and say, oh, I'm just going to let Jesus get a little thing. No, he has blessings for us. This whole earth is filled with his glory, and he wants his people to have these things. But these things must be tools for his kingdom, tools to bless others, not where wealth or money rule and master us but we master it to be part of the way we bless others. We serve God. We expand his kingdom. And God has this grace on people, on on business people who are gifted in entrepreneurship and, and developing wealth. And yet they're still able to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And they look at this material blessings that they have as an earthly blessing, but not the heavenly blessing that they their heart truly desires, truly wants. And so it's not a message of either or. It's a message of both and. Listen, just... Seek first his... Let's keep it simple like Jesus kept it simple. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Let's throw off worry and fear. Let's throw off this this drift. Let's catch this drift uh, away from God's heart. Let our heart be fully devoted to him. Let's commit to wise counsel to listen to that and prayerfully make a plan for the future and watch God fulfill those plans for his glory I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams go ahead up I've asked Julia to do a worship song that we can express right now this morning God we choose 
the right master, the good master, the loving master. We choose you as our master. Not mammon, not wealth, that spirit of wealth drawing from you. And let's worship the one. Before I dismiss you with the blessing, let's just worship him from our heart and rededicate ourselves as those that have chosen Jesus, the good master for our lives. the world